1: hoping everybody is in good form this morning and thank you to some people sending us in texts keeping us updates on supplies that are back in in store somebody said that the sanitizer spray is now available at Caulfield's Super Value in Bandon and someone else was on to say hi Carbolic Soap is now back in stock at Frank Toomey Hardware in McCroom which leads me to believe that Frank Toomey Hardware in McCroom ran out of Carbolic Soap and I'm sure that that's not something that happens very often at Frank Toomey's Hardware Store in McCroom, but a number of people last week reckoned the good old carbolic soap, it'll kill off any kind of a virus if you want to get your hands on some. Because I don't know how widely available carbolic soap I don't know, for example, is it stocked inside in traditional supermarkets? Do so you have to go to the likes of a hardware store like Frank Toomey's in McCroom to get it? But if you've been looking for it, uh, it is available and back in stock. So thank you, uh, people, to, to the people who are updating us on that. Now, what is the latest on the coronavirus? As we know, yesterday, we kind of wait every evening to see how many new cases uh, slowly, slowly climbing. But we're not getting massive amounts of people being diagnosed, which I suppose we can all be thankful for. Three new cases of the virus was announced yesterday evening. One is a female healthcare worker from here in the south. Now, that female healthcare worker was infected by somebody who who already had coronavirus. So I know they don't give us too much details. Do we take it from that, that that was somebody working in a hospital environment where a coronavirus patient was? I don't know. That's only guesswork on my behalf. The two other cases um, were also women. It was all women yesterday. Uh, One was in the West and a second female was here in the South. Now, hundreds of patients across the Midwest and at Cork University Hospital had surgery and outpatients Clinics cancelled yesterday. And obviously, that was in response to the coronavirus. We heard from some people yesterday who were wondering if their appointments had been cancelled or not. And as we were saying to people, unless you hear from the hospital to say your appointment has been cancelled, you turn up as normal. Almost all outpatient clinics. And elective surgeries have been cancelled across the group for today and tomorrow. So I'm assuming everyone has been notified uh, about that by now. This time yesterday, we were calling out individual parades across Cork County where the organisers had decided to cancel uh, them and we were waiting on what was going to happen from the government, what was going to happen from the powers that be. Would there be a blanket ban on St. Patrick's Day Parade? So that came yesterday afternoon with the organisers at St. Patrick's Day Festival. This is the big one in Dublin. They say they're following the decision of the National Public Health Emergency Team It won't proceed with its parade in uh, Dublin. And actually, we're going to be talking about the Cork City Parade on the programme today because in fairness to the organisers of the Cork City Parade, they decided to cancel ahead of the decision that was made by the National Public Health Emergency Team. And I take it that the Cork City Council were listening to people on the ground, listening to what people had to say, because certainly everywhere you went, And the amount of calls and texts that we hit here into the radio, this radio program, I'm sure all the other radio, talk radio shows were the same, were people saying cancel the parades. It's absolutely nuts to have people standing in such close confines. And I know people will say it's going to be an outdoor event, but you're still going to have people who you could be standing next to who has coronavirus, somebody who doesn't. Unsuspected, They don't know that they've got coronavirus. You know, somebody not having good cough etiquette, good sneezing e- etiquette and you'll end up with the virus getting out and about into the community and you can't go to a parade and stand a metre away from somebody. Everybody's on top of each other. That's the nature of the parades. And you look, it happened back in... The foot and mouth. We cancelled all the parades in the foot and mouth, and some of them went ahead many months later. I'm not saying that all of them will, but some of them will. Some of the organisers will say, "Hold off. We'll have. A, we'll celebrate our day." Uh, just we might be, just might not do it in March this year. We may do it in the summertime in, instead. But of course, the news coming that the St Patrick's Day parades have been cancelled—that's sending the hospitality firms into a bit of a tailspin because they were pinning their hopes to a visitor boom from the St Patrick's Day, from all of the parades. They face likely losses tens of millions is expected could be lost with the cancellation of events nationwide officials from the pubs hotel and hospital sectors are already saying they're experiencing heavy cancellation because of COVID-19 Fitness Federation of Ireland they represent about seven and a half thousand pubs and bars nationwide. They say publicans would normally expect to achieve more than a hundred million euro in sales over a long St Patrick's weekend and they are going to be affected. Now I'm I'm I, I'm not foreseeing that every pub in Ireland is going to be empty. I think people will still go out and celebrate St. Patrick's Day, but they just won't have as many people as they normally uh, would have. And I suppose You'd have to have a level of sympathy for the vintners because unlike other businesses, they can increase production later on in the year. Pubs can never recoup the lost sales that they would have over a weekend uh, like that. So you couldn't help but have sympathy for all of the vintners and for the restaurants who are, as I say, already seeing a decline in footfall. And then something that really, really annoyed me when I read about this and heard about this yesterday. Supplies to prevent medical staff from getting coronaviruses have been stolen from a Dublin hospital. It's St Luke's Hospital in Rathgar. They confirmed yesterday that a portion of their personal protective equipment was stolen. Now, they won't get into exactly what was taken, except we do know the personal protective equipment that's needed by medical staff. It includes things like the gloves and the aprons, but it also includes things like the surgical masks, which we know are very hard to get. They are in total short supply at the moment. And bearing in mind that St Luke's Hospital in Dublin, they specialise in treating cancer patients. This really is shocking. A spokesperson for the hospital described the theft as extremely unfortunate given the vulnerability of the patients who attend the services. My God, don't you just wish... How could somebody stoop so low as to do that and that was really annoying me and then I discovered that in Beaumont Hospital in Dublin they've had to start to ration the use of hand sanitizer. now they're saying this was after unauthorised removal of dispensers an email went around to all of the staff in the hospital saying the COVID-19 outbreak has necessitated rationed use of end of bed alcohol hand gel dispensers due to unauthorised removal. And they're not saying theft, they're saying unauthorised removal. And one angry member of staff who wanted to remain anonymous spoke with a journalist from the Irish Daily Mail and said people are acting so irresponsibly. This carry-on, they say, is really, really dangerous for actual patients who are immunosuppressed. People need to take a good, long, hard look at themselves if they think it's okay to steal a staff member used the word "steal" much needed supplies from hospitals amidst a public health crisis. So it's somebody going into the hospital, visiting obviously, visiting relatives and friends, because people don't wander around hospital wards. And particularly at the moment, most of the hospitals are on lockdown and people are only allowed one. If you're allowed a visitor, it's one at the most. And you know, at the end of every bed, there will be an alcohol hand gel dispenser which is used mainly, I always think, the ones at the end of the bed are used in the main by the nurses and the doctors and, you know, any other health professional who's coming to look after the person in the bed. And somebody has decided to start stealing those containers of hand gel. Absolutely. For, for shame. Now, we know we've got panic buying going on in this uh, country. And it's not just in this country. Japan are reporting panic buying. Australia, bless their hearts, are where There are videos of people fighting in supermarket aisles over toilet paper. That went viral. I'm sure the Australians must be mortified to see they're getting popular for all the wrong wrong reasons. But basically, people are panic buying all over the world. Really bad in America as well. And people are stocking up like the end of the world eh, is coming. And it's also happening in the United Kingdom to such an extent that the first supermarket chain in the UK and it's Tesco, don't know if other supermarket chains are going to follow suit. They've started rolling out a rationing scheme for key products and shoppers are not being allowed to buy more than five of a certain item. Now, they're including things like the antibacterial gels, the wipes, the sprays, dried pasta, the long life milk and some tinned vegetables. Now, there's no formal rationing going on in Ireland yet yet. But there is panic buying. There certainly is evidence of panic buying going on. If you go out to any of the shops, you will see empty shelves. And I saw somebody messaged me this morning, Mary, to say, Morning, Patricia. In Dunn's stores in Mallow yesterday, I was gobsmacked. No toilet paper. For God's sake What has toilet paper to do with the virus? Uh, well Mary the toilet paper has nothing to do with the virus but people are just afraid that if it continues the way it's going and that people end up getting locked into their houses and they're not able to get out. People, this is my theory on it, people are thinking we need to stock up in case we need to go into lockdown for 14 days but you know as I mentioned yesterday, if God forbid something happened and you ended up having to be self-isolated. Either a family member got coronavirus or you got it yourself and you had to stay indoors. I mean there's very few of us don't know somebody that we couldn't ring to say would you do a little bit of a shop for me and by the way will you pick me up a pack of toilet rolls. I'm nearly out of them please. And while we wouldn't want to be, if we're self-isolated we don't want to be meeting anybody else we can't go out to the shops ourselves so you could say to the people would you go do the bit of shopping for me at the local shop and just leave it, ring the doorbell and run away and I'll rush outside and, and pick up my bits and pieces. There's also delivery services. Most of the supermarkets offer delivery services, certainly in urban areas. I don't know if they get out to all of the rural areas as well. So there's lots of ways that if we need to buy items, we can get it. I know some people were fearful and I heard people saying that all a lot of the toilet rolls are manufactured in Japan. And that we wouldn't be able to get any of the toilet paper and we'd run out of toilet paper, I think was another theory on it. But I've heard from experts that there is no reason to panic, including academics who say we are making enough. No one's going to starve. No one's going to run out of toilet roll. And before when we've had panic buying. Like, say, the beast from the east caused an awful lot of panic buying with the bread and the bread in particular. And then there was a period of time afterwards where shelves remained empty. But remember, when the beast from the east and other storms happened, the delivery of items were inter- was interrupted. Trucks couldn't get out on the roads. Whereas that's not happening here. That's why when a shop, like Mary talking about Duns in Mallow, running out at some stage, I don't know what time of the day Mary was in Dunn's when they had no, no toilet paper. I guarantee, you're back in today, they would have got their supplies in yesterday evening, overnight, early this morning because the trucks are rolling out every day. So there isn't going to be an issue with delivery as we would have seen during any of the big weather issues that causes panic buying. But we all just need to calm it down a little bit and just take a bit of a breather and just not panic and not rush out and buy everything because by rushing out and buying everything, we are then really affecting more vulnerable people. You know, I spoke about that elderly man yesterday who ended up having to go, he's a supermarket near him. He went to do his weekly shop couldn't get everything he needed because it had run out of certain supplies. He ended up having to walk across town to go to another supermarket and the poor man was just exhausted. Luckily, he'd met a neighbour who asked him, on, you know, don't normally see on this side of town he started explaining what had happened and she thankfully waited for him and then drove him home so like, it's vulnerable people who are not in a position to be driving around from shop to shop to pick up items that you can't get so we affect other people as well when we do our panic buying and I don't know who sent me in this my apologies because I printed it off and I don't have the name of the person who sent it in but I'm going to read it out somebody sent me in this piece yesterday when I was talking about panic buying and the panic buying that had happened at the weekend and it's uh, a I suppose it's a a little piece called Common Sense and it says common sense lost ground when parents attacked teachers for doing the job that they themselves had failed to do in disciplining their unruly children. It declined even further when schools were required to get parental consent to administer suntan lotion or an aspirin to a student but could not inform their parents when a student became pregnant. Common Sense lost the will to live as the churches became businesses and criminals received better treatment than their victims. Common Sense took a beating when you couldn't defend yourself from a burglar in your own home and the burglar could sue you for assault. Common Sense finally gave up the will to live after a woman failed to realise that a steaming cup of coffee was hot. She spilt a little on her lap and was promptly awarded a huge settlement. Common sense was preceded in death by his parents, truth and trust, his wife, discretion, by his daughter, responsibility, and by his son, reason. He was survived by his five stepbrothers. I know my rights. I want it now. Someone else is to blame. I'm a victim. Pay me for doing nothing. Not many attended his funeral because so few realised the common sense was gone. If you still remember him, pass this on. If not join the majority and do nothing. That's an excellent piece. As I don't know where it originated from, but somebody WhatsApped it into me yesterday, so thank you for that. Keep your calls, ca- texts and WhatsApps coming. When we were talking about the cancellation of the St. Patrick's Day parades and the St. Patrick's Day festival in Dublin, it has prompted a listener to say, do we still have a national holiday anyway on the 17th? Absolutely. This day, next week, will be a bank holiday as normal. And there will probably still be events going on there just won't be any of the large scale parades Marie says Hi Patricia I uh, hope this message finds you well it does thank you very much I'm glad that the parades are, are cancelled they, they should have been cancelled a long long time ago it is better to be safe than sorry that comes in from Marie and says Morning Patricia I was in a number of shops yesterday there isn't a all wipe or a spray to be got it's absolute madness says and um, another text says, Patricia. There are lessons for all of us with the coronavirus now more than ever, particularly when it comes to overcrowded hospitals and trolleys. And no more saving on water, please. I went to a nursing home recently to visit a neighbour and the smell was shocking. Something must have gone wrong with the sewerage. Oh, did you report it? Did you say it to anybody? That sounds dreadful. And you were only visiting so you could get out. Got help the poor, if, if it was something wrong with the sewerage, oh got help the poor residents who, ha- who are living in the nursing home. And the staff working there. I hope you pointed that out uh, to somebody. Um, Someone else by text going, the West Cork Rally, has that been cancelled? No, as far as we know, the West Cork Rally is still going ahead. I heard actually John Paul talking about it in the office before I came on air this morning. So no, that certainly is going ahead. Someone else wants to know about confirmations. There are 60 children from our parish next month to be confirmed. Does anybody know what's happening with confirmations? Again, have had absolutely no word on confirmations been cancelled. Yesterday it was just the parade they, uh, there, a decision hasn't been taken to cancel all gatherings of people. And I know in in Italy they now should have gone to a completely different phrase, phase. But I know at one stage they were canceling any gathering that had over a thousand people. Now, if we even introduce something like that in this country. I imagine with 60 children in a parish making confirmation would there be over a thousand people inside in the church maybe if they did introduce something like that they would just limit the number of people in, in the church but as of now no but that could all change and if it does change if there are any cancellations as soon as we hear about them we will bring it to you and we are encouraging people because we are aware that things are being cancelled if you are aware of something that's been cancelled please let us know for example I had somebody on onto me yesterday from the Canturk Arts Festival they were planning a cheese and wine reception for the official opening of the Canturk Arts Festival for 2020 they've cancelled that but they've rescheduled and they're going to go they'll run with the festival instead in June and they'll get back on and let me know when it's on but it was due to be it was due to have its official opening this Friday but that has been cancelled and actually I'll stay in Kanturk because the Canturk Community Council were on to us to say that due to the COVID-19 they are cancelling the bingo in Kanturk and they're cancelling that until further notice and it's the safety of the people in the community they say is the priority. So that's the Bingo off in Kanturk until the end of the COVID-19 and also the the Kanturk Arts Festival uh, due to have uh, its official opening this weekend has been postponed 1850
4: 333 103 Cork today on
2: C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drews Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow smokeless coal turf gas and kiln dried wood open late 7 days Low lowcostfuel.ie
4: The World Health Organization has declared the coronavirus a health emergency. Here are some practical ways to protect yourself. Wash your hands properly and often. Cover your mouth and nose when you cough or sneeze. And dispose of used tissues. Disinfect frequently touched objects. Avoid close contact with people who are unwell. Don't touch your eyes, nose or mouth if your hands are not clean. And please follow travel advice from the Department of Foreign
2: Affairs. This message is supported by Irwin's Pharmacy, Shandon Street, Mayfield and Telker. Always looking after your family.
4: For coronavirus updates and information, stay listening to C103. Court today on C103. Patricia, with your comment. 1850 Now
1: looking at the evidence from analysis of cases to date of the coronaviruses, uh, coronavirus it causes a mild disease in about 80% of people and most cases will recover fully. But the HSE cannot dispute that up to 1.9 million of us here in Ireland could become infected. So, how are the government handling this situation and could more be done? Cork East Labour doll Deputy Sean Sherlock feels the doll must collectively up their game. And he joins me to explain why. Good morning to you, Sean. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, we have a caretaker government in place at the moment. Do you feel they're not doing enough?
5: We, we have a caretaker government in place that doesn't enjoy a, a majority of the people of Ireland, you know, when they vote it. And while I welcome the announcements yesterday in relation to the £3 billion that is now to be allocated for measures to deal with this, I think it could have happened a lot sooner and I believe strongly that it could have happened with the support of the doll. The doll has hasn't been sitting except for one day and it's not sitting uh, again until the 19th of March. I, I find that to be a ridiculous situation. I'm not trying to play politics with this, but I think it's important that if a government is to make a decision around funding and they're in the minority and they don't have a mandate to be in government and they're only there by dint of a constitutional uh, arrangement if you will, I think it's all the more important then that you seek the legitimacy of the majority of the members of the Dáil for any decisions that you make in relation to tackling this crisis and that's the point I was making.
1: You're suggesting a government of national unity and just explain what you mean by a government of national unity. I, I believe
5: Strongly now that all parties need to come together to work our way through this coronavirus challenge. And that means Fianna Fáil, Sinn Fein, Labour, Fianna Gael, Independence, everybody coming together, even if it is for a time bound six months uh, period, until such time then as you have made the decisions in relation to all of the resources that you need to allocate to tackle the virus and also deal with all the public health measures that you need to put in place so that if you need to legislate, for instance, like on things like, for instance, you know, sick pay, and, and an example of this is the government announcing yesterday that they're going to reconvene the doll possibly next week to put in place legislation for sick pay so that it's paid from day one where people are uh, going to self-isolation. You know, that's something that could have been done, for instance, this week, under the umbrella of a unity government, if you will, and it would have had absolute legitimacy. And and if we don't have a legitimate government, I'm not saying the government at the moment is illegitimate in any way, but it doesn't command a majority at all. And for any democracy to work, you need to have a working majority. Now... Such is the urgency of this issue, because you've just quoted a figure there in relation to, you know, 1.9 million people being potentially affected by this. That means then that decisions have to be made by the government. Uh, and, And in the lack of a government at present where the negotiations are ongoing and there's a lot of dancing going on, you could always designate people from all of the various parties and independents to come together to form a cabinet because yesterday you had a situation for instance where i felt a little bit uncomfortable about the fact that shane ross was sitting at the cabinet subcommittee and he wasn't elected by the people no i I don't want to be disrespectful to shane ross but i think it's important that you have people who are elected serving on cabinet subcommittees that are making decisions at this point in time.
1: OK, and what are, what, are, what are other political parties' views on this national well, unity government that would consist of all of the major parties or all of the parties would be represented?
5: Well, uh, Jim O'Callaghan on Sunday, interestingly, said that he wasn't adverse to the idea, so we take that as a Fianna fault position. Uh I haven't heard from Fine Gael in respect of this and Sinn Fein yesterday I think maybe slightly distanced themselves from the idea of a unity government. And and look I understand that as well. But I just think that we as politicians now need to take leadership. And and leadership on an issue that is not a political issue requires politicians to leave their take off their jerseys and wear them, you know, their local jerseys or their you know party brand jerseys and put on the Irish national jersey now and play play for the national cause, if you know what I mean. So there isn't much traction for this idea, to be very honest about it, but it's something that I feel that we do need to do to come together. It may not happen. It most likely will not happen. But what I'm trying to do is to force a conversation about the need for us to all to act in unison as politicians at this point in time.
1: Yeah, and I saw the journal.ie yesterday. They did a poll where they asked people, would you support the formation of a national unity government to to get us through the uh, coronavirus? And the nearly just... Uh, nearly 40% of people uh, thought, yes, put in put in a temporary government instead. And just under 30% uh, said, no, that we should get back to forming a real government. Which I suppose is, I saw Mary Lou yesterday speak of the suggestion. She says it was a bit of, of a distraction. Do we not need, Sean, a strong government and a sustainable government?
5: And that is the whole point of all of this, is that while... The main political parties are dancing around each other. We have a potential public health crisis emerging before our very eyes where you have one party making decisions who doesn't command a majority of the doll where for instance, I would like to stand up in the doll today if the doll was sitting and question you know the decision that was made yesterday to allocate 2.4 billion under emergency legislation, which we haven't even seen yet, I'd like to hold ministers to account and say, well, what does that mean for my constituents in North and East Cork? What what does that mean, for instance, for workers who have to self isolate? You know, you know, should we not be introducing that emergency legislation this week? You know, with the the doll uh, with a doll majority acting in unison you know, we can't afford to wait any longer for a government to be formed and for Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael, the three main political parties, who are going to inevitably form part of this government anyway, either one or two or three of those uh, companies. Well, it's
1: either that or back to the people and I don't think anybody wants that.
5: Say that again, Patricia.
1: It's either that or it's back to the people for another election and, uh, and I don't think there's an appetite anywhere for that.
5: No, and it would be absolutely ludicrous in my mind to go back to the people for an election. The people have spoken. And, you know, if the people have spoken and they've said that there are three parties that are bunched there in the middle, you know, that could form a majority government, then I think, you know, this is a personal view, then let's form a a government and let's start making decisions. What people want now is for leadership. You know, this idea of a left government you know, where Sinn Féin were reaching out, for instance, to ourselves and the Sock Dems and the Greens and the what I call the hard left. Like, let's not try to fool the people here. The hard left have no intention of going into government, no more than the Sock Dems have any intention of going into government. So that, that formula has failed and nobody's buying that argument. So what are you back to then? You're either back to Fianna Fáil... Fine Gael coming together either with the Greens and and, uh, and maybe some independents or else you're into Fianna Fáil, Sinn Féin and you know, like-minded people there as well. What's but, your gut
1: instinct telling you? What way will it go?
5: Well, my my gut was telling me last week that it was going to be Fianna Fáil, Fine Gael and, and the Greens and maybe that's still on the cards. But I, I'm not ruling out Sinn Féin and Fianna Fáil at all at this all right,
1: and I know as soon as you mentioned Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael we get texts from people saying we don't want Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael anywhere near the government that's what people voted against but uh, yeah
5: but uh, I understand that point as well people vote for change and you may you may have people out there who voted for Sinn Féin who I absolutely respect saying look you, you it, it has to be Sinn Féin and somebody else because that's what they voted for
1: but then well, that but, was only 25% but, of the people voted for Sinn Féin but that's the
5: point yeah. that is exactly the point it all comes down to arithmetic at the end of the day ok and just and,
1: just Jimmy in West Cork says could you ask Sean are all the TDs still getting paid even though they aren't sitting in the Dáil does he or others not feel a bit embarrassed getting money for nothing
5: uh, I'm working as hard as I ever did and just to say to Jimmy the Dáil sits for so many days of the year Uh So you will still get paid whether the doll is sitting or not. So while I I may not be in Dublin, I can tell you that, you know, I've had any number of phone calls this morning in relation to my constituency and in relation to, for instance, the management of this issue, this coronavirus. Are you you sensing panic? continue to work.
1: Are you sensing panic, Sean, on behalf of some people?
5: I, I, I don't want to use the word panic, but I think people are, you know, buying a lot more. They're stocking up on, you know, perishables and other essential items. Uh, I I do believe strongly that people are beginning to, you know, self, I'm not saying self-isolate, but social distance themselves from people. You know, I noticed myself in terms of my own interactions, I'm a lot more cautious now about maybe shaking hands with people. I'm using my elbow a lot more, you know. And I think if we take those necessary precautions, you know, around hand-washing and follow the public health advice on this, I think that will assist in the containment. Yeah. But I, I I am worried myself, though, that if people need to self-isolate, that this week the doll isn't sitting. The government, Leo Varadkar, announced yesterday that you know, it won't be until next week that the emergency legislation will be put in place in relation to sick pay. But if over the next seven days, for instance, people need to self-isolate and this escalates, you know, what we, and, and we don't have a doll sitting to pass that legislation, what permutations will that have and, for and people the who the have th- to pay mortgages th- and th- feed families? The thesia th- won't the even be
1: here. the th- th- won't even be in the country. He's going to America now. I know he's he's cutting it short by a day, but he'll be gone. He, he, he a he convention, and 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 this is why I think people are getting,
5: you know, you know, uh, people are upset, and I think this is why people are are taking measures themselves because in the absence of any clear messages from government, a vacuum can arise, and 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 I'm fearful that such a vacuum will arise. Okay. But we continue to rely on the public health officials, but you also need that backed up by strong government messages
6: as well.
1: Okay, and just very finally and very briefly just on a very different topic. I was reading in the Irish Examiner yesterday they did a huge piece on the ongoing problem with the secondary school places for families in East Cork that we've dealt with uh, on this programme. Um, Carrick Tughill, the school there, they're waiting eight years for, for their promised campus.
5: I... First of all, I want to sympathise with the families that still don't have school places. I've been dealing with this issue for months now, uh, and there's a massive uh, challenge in the East Cork region, but also we see it now as well in places like Fermoy, and it's going to emerge in places like Mallow as well, where because of demographic growth, because of, you know, a bit of an increase in the population base, there aren't enough school places. I just want to reassure people in Carrick Tool and parents in particular whose children still don't have school places that that we, and, and we're working collectively on this as TDs in the Cork East region to ensure that now that they've had created additional places in Carrick and Middleton that it might be time now for all of the patron bodies to come together to, to see how we can ensure that every child, that no child gets left behind essentially. And this goes back to the point about the fact that if you don't have a government in situ at present, and I can't stand up in the doll now and question a minister about this because we don't have The education or health committees aren't up and running. uh, There is no PQs being taken, you know, directly oral PQs, they call them parliamentary questions, where the minister stands up in the doll to take questions from people like me. I don't have a provision now where I can question ministers and I'm pushing the uh, officials in the department, and that's my only mechanism. So there has to be a government there to take ownership of this very issue in carry tool uh, and the wider East Cork region, because until such time as we have a government I fear that there's going to be slippage on this issue but we continue to do our best
1: okay. on it. Okay and that's why we need a strong government and a sustainable government. Listen we leave it there Sean we'll talk again thank you for that. Thank you Patricia. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us uh, that is uh, Corky, East Labour Dole, Deputy Sean Sherlock, 1850
4: Court Cork today on C103.
2: With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Short Castle Street Mallow open seven days for smokeless coal turf kiln dried wood and and gas, lowcostfuel.ie. We've given away a VIP trip to New York with amigoloans.ie on C103. Oh, oh, it's working, it's working. Here we go, it's It's It's
1: Okay, Here we go, here we go. Is it you?
2: Hello? Uh, Hi
4: there, is that Alan O'Sullivan? It is indeed, Simon. Alan, it's Simon and Patricia here from C103. Alan? Hi, Alan. We're going to New York City!
6: Oh, guys, I can't believe it. I'm so, so thankful. Oh, my God. And I'm a massive Billy Joel fan. Oh, New York is absolutely New
1: York is brilliant.
6: New York is just unbelievable. I can't believe
1: it. Congratulations.
4: Stay tuned for our next big giveaway on Cork's Greatest Hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103.
1: Just a breaking news story on the coronavirus from Owen English, a worker at the Apple computers. European headquarters in Holly Hill has tested positive for coronavirus. The worker was tested for the virus after leaving the office as soon as they felt unwell last week. Uh, an email has gone out to workers. The company said they're working closely with HSE. They're reviewing the case. They believe the risk to other employees is low but some fellow Apple workers have been told to self-isolate as a precaution. That's a breaking story. No doubt we'll have more of that on the news at uh, 11. Now yesterday we were t- we at this stage on the programme we were talking about St. Patrick's Day parades that were being cancelled around the county. And of course, the largest parade every year in our area is the one in Cork City. And yesterday afternoon, then came the news that that parade has also now been cancelled. But Cork North Central Independent Councillor Ken O'Flynn, in advance of that, had been calling for the cancellation and he joins me. Good morning to you, Ken.
6: Good morning, Patricia. Now,
1: Ken, yesterday there was the Cabinet subcommittee. They were deciding to adopt a cautious approach to the St Patrick's Day Festival. They then changed their mind on that. But the City Council jumped first and made the decision before anything came out from Dublin. So you must have welcomed that.
6: Well, no, that's a welcome move from Cork City Council. Look, I suppose government and city councils and county councils all around the country are trying to keep calm and keep positive about things. We're in, we're in a moment of self-containment at the moment or trying to be a moment of self-containment. And that seems to be the, mas- the message from the central government and from officials from the HSE. I'll be honest with you, Patricia, And I'm not trying to get people into hysterics or upset people. I believe we're in a situation where this is going to expand. I heard what the Taoiseach had to say last night and his estimation of figures with deaths and and people that are being infected. It's my belief that we're in a state where, uh, a month ago, Italy uh, had seven cases, and now I believe it has 7,000 cases. Up to last night, there's probably more diagnosed, I don't know. I didn't see the n- latest numbers. Uh, Spain is a second country um, with the highest amount of uh, people testing positive and death rates. We're in a situation here where we're doing everything that we can under the HSE guidelines. In City Council, we're setting up stations all over our public buildings uh, for hand sanitising. We're sending out emails to all our 2000 staff uh, reminding them to wash their hands, notices have been put up there. When we're receiving monies over the counter in the, uh, Anglesey Street office, they're being taken in by gloves, which is actually good hygiene anyway, when it's handling money. Now, it's, it's been suggested by HSZ, by NHS, by the World Health Organization, uh, you, the use of gloves is not a good idea, which is something that I, I didn't know myself up to last night. Um, but we are using it when handling money, which is good. Which is good hygiene practice, anyway.
1: But it's just it's um, not I to suppose. touch your face and your nose and your Look, eyes, and it, it, it's is the know, important one. But I mean, I'm the sure mayor, the mayor of the, the Lord Mayor of Cork. I mean, John Sheen, you know, urging people not to panic, be sensible, and try to carry on as normal. I mean, that's what we need to do as well
6: well well you know there's there's a school of thought on this you know and it's all very well for officials and for hse to tell us not to panic and not to worry this is a day or two away from being announced as a pandemic, from what I understand. It meets all the criteria of pandemic. We are in a situation where we're we're trying to contain it as much as possible. Uh, As you know, there's been another announcement this morning in Apple Computers. I believe Apple Computers are de-cleansing X amount of departments and people are still coming in out of work. There's a number of uh, companies that I've been in contact with. I've received emails from people telling me that... um, members of staff that have travelled in from Europe are being self-contained. I understand from speaking to officials in the Bon Secure Hospital that our four consultants are being uh, are self-containing at the moment and a number of other staff are, are on self-containment. That's the reality of what's out there. This is a very live virus. It is spreading very fast. Uh, we've experienced that and we've seen that in Italy. I think we have to be very proactive and I have to say to you Patricia I'm reading about uh, Cheltenham going on I wonder if there was a horse disease or if there was a horse flu or a horse virus out there would Cheltenham be cancelled a lot faster you know Well,
1: well, well during foot and mouth it was it was. Exactly. I mean, it's just exactly. it's, yeah. so, Okay, but, le- but again, let's just remind people that in 80% of people who will get coronavirus, it'll be a mild viral infection that people will fully recover from. But it Correct. is the 20%, the young, and uh, the immunosuppressed people, and the elderly people that the rest of us need yes. to protect. That's correct. Yeah.
6: And that's the the big problem is, you know, when we're looking at schools, when we're looking at public gatherings, when we're looking at large events where children could be there, you know, the children go home and they, they sit up on granny's knee or yeah. they sit up on granddad's knee, all that sort of stuff. We have to be very cautious. Look, as a public rep, I'm telling people, wash your hands, sanitize Keep yourself, 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 yourself as much as you can. I'm not t- telling people not to go out, but I am telling people to prepare themselves the best
7: as possible. Be careful. All
6: right. Patricia, I okay. must say to you just before I go, I've decided to suspend my own clinics. Okay. I'll be setting up a... a people can still do face-to-face with me on Skype. Um, So I'd be setting that up but because of the volume of people that come in and out of my office I've decided that the office is open but it's not open
1: to the public. That's a sensible move. Well done. All right, we'll leave it there Ken. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. That is Independent uh, Cork City Councillor for Cork North Central uh, Ken O'Flynn. I wonder will he be the first of politicians uh, to cancel clinics we will await and see. 1850 333 103 John Paul taking your calls. WhatsApp 0862
4: 103 103. Court today on C103
2: with a solid fuel depot at Drews Fuel and Go, Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get 7-day delivery for those cozy nights in. lowcostfuel.ie.
4: The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary.
2: With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
1: Owen English of the Irish Examiner is reporting that a worker at Apple's Computer's European headquarters in Hollyhill has tested positive for coronavirus. Owen English of the Irish Examiner joins me. Good morning to you, Owen. Good morning, Patricia. And, and, And you're welcome. Now, what is known about this worker and when they started to feel unwell?
8: Well, as is often the case in in these situations, Patricia, we we only have the bare details at this stage. It's sort of a breaking news story this morning, but what we can confirm is that the company uh, has emailed uh, staff at its Holly Hill facility. There's several thousand people working on that vast campus on the north side of Cork City, uh, and they were told that a colleague uh, tested positive for the virus uh, someday last week, Uh, What we know is that the the worker was at work, Uh, he or she felt unwell and went home and obviously they were concerned enough about their symptoms to seek medical advice and uh, as a result of that a test was performed on this individual for coronavirus and it has come back positive and obviously that person's employers were then alerted uh, and the company in a statement to us this morning has said that yes, one of their employees at the Holly, Holly Hills facility has uh, tested positive for COVID-19 and they said that they are working closely with the HSE, that they've been told that the risk to other staff of contracting the virus is low But despite that, uh, obviously this worker, the affected worker, is in self-isolation and a number of this person's team members have also been advised uh, to place themselves in self-isolation as a precaution. And Apple says it is working with the HSE as they uh, assess the situation. Now, we've seen an email that the company has sent to staff and it does seem that, obviously, the company is taking this quite, quite seriously. And they have said that they're taking a number of steps out of what they call an abundance of caution uh, and that they have uh, deep cleaned several parts of the campus, that they have taken steps to sort of isolate several buildings so that there's not you know cross-contamination from one building to another um, and that they are following all the relevant public health advice around uh, hand hygiene and that kind of thing.
1: But as of now, the Apple plant is still up and running and people are going to work as normal. Yeah,
8: they say that the uh, the offices remain open, uh, that they're operating on a normal schedule. Now, over the weekend, um, Apple boss Tim Cook did send a memo to employees around the world. Uh, and he said, look, you know, obviously this coronavirus uh, outbreak has had a massive impact on the company from a global perspective. Uh, the company had to close several of its uh, facilities in China where the outbreak began, we think. Uh, and he said that the company is uh, making an effort to what he called reduce human density. Basically, they're, they're sending staff home and allowing people to work from home. Um, but obviously, this is the first time that we're aware of anyway where... Uh, there has been a direct case of a uh, confirmed case of coronavirus in uh, in one of their Irish operations and they seem to be taking all the relevant steps they have uh, obviously this individual uh, is, is in self-isolation uh, the person's immediate close contacts are also being advised despite the fact that the risk of, of uh, contamination is low they've been advised to self-isolate as well and obviously the advice from the HSD around this has constantly been that you know self-isolate and if you begin to experience symptoms to ring your GP and seek advice from there.
1: Do we know Owen, the, uh, this worker, would that be one of the three new cases that, that was announced yesterday?
8: Uh, Patricia, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, okay. um, I, I, I think so. I, I think it could be, but it could also be one of the cases that was confirmed
1: Lattery. over the last few yeah, days. Yeah, we've yeah, known. Just, yeah, I was just trying to do a bit of in, trying to be a detective because I was saying if it was one, we would know then it was a female because there was a female in the south who was announced yesterday whether that's the one in Apple but it could have been as you say it could have been over the weekend or it could have been last week because they did become sick um, last week
8: Yeah we don't have an exact timeline on this we don't exactly know when this person tested positive but what we we do know is that since last Thursday uh, we've had that community transmission case that is associated with Cork University Hospital on the 6th of March we had a female health worker who was in close contact with a confirmed case. We have another female who was associated with travel to Northern Italy. On the 8th of March we had that case uh, of a patient in the bonds uh, who acquired the virus through community transmission. The second example of community transmission in Ireland and then over the weekend on the 9th of March we had two more cases in the south. A female with close contact with a confirmed case, and another female healthcare worker. In this case, in the Apple case, we don't know whether it's a male or a female, yeah. so I, I can't be any more
3: specific.
1: Do you, actually somebody's asking, Owen? Do we do, do the HSC give any updates on how patients are doing? Somebody's wondering of all the confirmed cases that we have, is there any update on how they are?
8: No, um, and they don't give patient updates in respect of any patient, really, uh, whether it's a car crash or, or an accident. or, or it, and, and they do that out of uh, patient confidentiality. They just don't give updates. So, unfortunately, we just have to rely on our own sources to get a handle on how these people are doing. Obviously, there's lots of concern for them. These people are known, obviously, by their family, by their friends and by their community. Uh, and while, you know, a lot of the media focus has been on numbers and locations, behind every one of these figures is a personal story. There's a, a brother, a sister, a husband, a wife, a partner, a child, an aunt and uncle, you know. So obviously our thoughts are with these well people um, and we just hope they get better.
1: Well said, well said. Listen, thank you for that, uh, Owen. As you said, this is uh, an ongoing story. No doubt there m- more may uh, come out of this story. But in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us you welcome. Good morning to you. That is uh, own English from the Irish Examiner on that. Uh, it's a breaking news story of a confirmed case of a worker at the Apple Hollyhill plant who has t- tested positive with the coronavirus. We wish that person a speedy speedy recovery. And actually somebody is asking that, you know, how do we know how people are getting on? And as own has, has explained, that's, you know, not when that's not going to happen. The HSE are certainly not going to tell us. But this listener is wondering, you know, uh, what about the mild cases? You know, are they recovering? How are they doing? You know, it would be nice to hear from some of the patients with the coronavirus. Well, we got a ve- well, we did get to hear from one of the patients if you saw the Claire Byrne programme last night. Now, it was somebody obviously who remained anonymous and it was over the phone. A patient with the coronavirus was speaking of their experience in isolation Um, And I don't even know if they said what parts of the country they were in isolation. Speaking from his hospital bed, the patient who lives somewhere in Ireland explained he did not detect any symptoms associated with COVID-19 for a few days. He had returned from a trip abroad and he went to work for one day. Once he began to feel feverish, he decided to self-isolate. He formed the health authorities who then arranged for a medical officer to test him for the coronavirus in his own apartment by taking a swab of his throat and his nose. The man said the test returned 24 hours later with a positive result that yes you have COVID-19. An ambulance then arrived at his home, picked him up and transported him to hospital. Now he said while he did notice the fever changing. He didn't experience symptoms. He didn't have any coughing. He didn't have any shortness of breath, which are the symptoms we're told to look out for. Since last Friday, this male patient said his symptoms were gone. He said the only symptoms he now basically has was a slight fever. He said, I don't have any respiratory problems. I don't have any lung inflammation, any cough, any sneezing. So it was just this slight fever. But again, based on the fact that he was abroad, he had decided to self-isolate himself but then the health authorities took the decision to say no, you've got to go into hospital. But he said, I don't have any of the severe symptoms. He said he actually feels quite well at the moment. He said he had a fever for a couple of days. That's passed. And since Friday, he doesn't even even have that. But yet he's still in hospital been tested every day for the virus. He said he was a bit worried, of course, when he was told that he had the coronavirus but he, but he said it's a new virus and with all the information that's going around but he said at the same time he obviously was scared but he said it's clear now that it is you know something that is in 80% of cases a very mild viral uh, infection and at 24 years of age he's young so he said you know he's not scared anymore he he knows that he's going to be okay but what struck me about that particular case that's exactly that exactly fits the criteria of the 80% of the population who will get the who will get covid-19 who will just not be very unwell at all and in many cases if you didn't even know that you had COVID-19 you possibly would have gone to work he sounds like somebody like he popped into work the first day and started feeling a bit feverish a lot of people will go to work and have gone to work before not feeling very well a bit fluy kind of a thing you think it's just down to a head cold so there will be people who will be out in the community with the COVID-19 but that then is the danger is if you meet with somebody who is in, in the Ashwich at-risk group. That's why we're back to the washing of the hands and the good practice when you're sneezing or coughing so that we don't pass it on to other people. But I do think if we do get more cases in this country and it is inevitable we will get more cases in this country, the HSE are going to have to change the way we're looking after patients with COVID nineteen. Very obviously, that man doesn't need to be in hospital. He needs to be. He could have stayed at home and self isolated. Self isolated. And I think if we do end up getting more cases, that we're simply not going to enough beds in the hospital. And really, we don't need a lot of these people. Don't need to be in hospital. And hopefully, that that is the case for many of the patients who have been diagnosed with COVID nineteen. The flip side of that is we will have the 20% of people diagnosed who will be very, very unwell and who will need to be in ICU. 1850-333-103. Some more of your calls. Um, What about the West Cork rally in Clonacilty this weekend? Is that still going ahead? That is still going ahead. I know John Paul was looking into that. That is uh, definitely still going ahead. If people, this is on people stockpiling. If you get sick, If people get sick, they won't be able to eat all the food they're stockpiling. Silly people, we all just need to carry on as normal. Pat says, Patricia, they allowed this to come in from Italy. That was a big mistake. It's too late now. Well, people travelled to Italy. The bulk of the people so far... In the early cases of people who got COVID-19 were people who had travelled abroad. Italy was the main place. So it was people who came back from holidays. But a lot of people went there not realising how bad the COVID-19 was. A different Pat says, Hi Patricia, they stopped shaking hands before all football matches. But when the match starts, they're all handling the same ball. Surely they'll be passing infection that way if somebody did have COVID-19. Thank you to somebody who says, there's plenty of life boy Soap and toilet rolls at Tigrines Food Store in Newmarket. For the good people in Newmarket, Tigrines for your toilet rolls and your life boy soap. We, na- we do not know, this is an- another texter, we do not know who has the COVID-19. I think we should know and then by knowing that we can stay away from the area. The number of people that are saying that, that when... We get the information from the HSE. They'll say, like today, they're saying the case is in the south. That's all that they'll say or they'll say there's a case in the east. People want more details. The, the HSE are not going to give that details and it's all down to confidentiality. They don't want people pinpointing. Obviously, as Owen English said, family and friends and local communities will know if somebody comes down with COVID-19 but they don't want to everybody to know they don't want the person to be stigmatised not that they should be but there is a fear factor that people would be uh, stigmatised and here is a very very good point that you're, that's, this is not the first time I've heard people talk about this in the last few days and I'm going to try and see if I can do Find out a little bit more about this this afternoon. Uh, Texture says, hi, during and just before Christmas, there was a huge amount of people suffering from what was flu-like symptoms, but mainly it was respiratory problems. People ended up with terrible coughs. And if people remember, it was highly contagious. It makes me think, says this Texter, that coronavirus was already lurking around the community And I heard somebody else mention this yesterday, and I'm sure there's a doctor, but I will just have to look into it, is kind of thinking the same thing, which means the coronavirus possibly was there. And if it's true, people would have had it. it They were at home, they became unwell, they had this awful cough. And I know certainly with Annalise on our nutritional slot. Week after week after week in the run up to Christmas with people complaining about this nasty cough that was doing the rounds and very hard to shake. Annalise was saying she was seeing people coming into her store looking for stuff to try to get rid of this nasty lingering uh, cough and it was highly contagious. So if it was the coronavirus it means that a number of people would have got it built up immunities and now that it's back again with a vengeance. You know, they, they there will be some immunity in the community if it is the case that it was the coronavirus. It just maybe it just hadn't been identified at the time, and many people wouldn't have even probably gone near a doctor. You know, they come down with flu-like symptoms. You know, there's no point going to a doctor. It's viral. So what would I be doing going to to a doctor? there's no point they can't give, give me an antibiotic so yeah you could have I've, I've heard others say it too 185333103. with the government going away for St Patrick's Day and there says a texter there we'll have the government off to another country leaving, this, leaving us here in this country to fend for ourselves and then some of them could come back to this country with the virus and that's responding to the acting Taoiseach Leah Varadkar his trip to America has been curtailed by a day in case people want, are interested in this he's cancelled a planned trip to New York for today. He was due to attend a meeting in the city this afternoon but he'll not now fly to the US until tomorrow because he's taking more meetings on the COVID-19 outbreak so he's decided to delay his trip to the States by one day instead. Someone else wants to know what about parties and weddings says uh, Mary. Should they, are they still going ahead and should they still go ahead? Um, absolutely, I don't think anyone is talking about cancelling uh, weddings or parties. Hi Patricia, just want to add a quick note on the panic buying for the coronavirus. Last Saturday, I was in Marks and Spencer's in the city. It was absolutely pandemonium. You couldn't get any fruit, you couldn't get any veg or the cleaning products. Forget about it. The pushing and the shoving was way worse than what you would see on Christmas Eve. Really, really hope that people just calm down and calm down soon, says a texter. And a number of calls in to John Paul already this morning Dennis in Newmarket is pondering about social dancing he said it's Are social dances still going ahead? He said people get very up close and personal when they're social dancing. Surely that's something that should be considered for cancellation. Uh, Staying on the weddings that Mary was talking about, um, Alan wants to talk about weddings with a little bit of common sense dribbled in. He said we've got a wedding invite. We're going in two weeks time and we're not saying this to the couple as I imagine. They're stressed out enough with people asking them if the wedding is going ahead. But Alan says I do know of other guests who will be attending the same wedding who are concerned. Now, Alan said, we've decided that we're going anyway. I think it's all common sense, but I know this wedding is going to be a large gathering of people. Do we, does everything get cancelled uh, or something that, that, that does everything get cancelled for something that might have no effect at all? Absolutely. You go to the wedding, enjoy the wedding, good hand hygiene. If anybody is going with coughs and colds, just make sure that they're, you know, the proper etiquette when it comes to sneezing and uh, coughing and I suppose if somebody feels very unwell then don't, just don't attend to the wedding. Don't put anybody else at risk. John in says, why does the Department of Health not let us know the exact or oh, that's the exact area I've dealt with that uh, because there's confidentiality for the person. Uh, Julie in Mallow said, listening to Patricia and the people panicking over things getting cancelled, you could pick this up from your neighbour just popping in to say hi. So even though large gatherings are not ideal, This will go on for many, many more months. Are we still going to be cancelling stuff in May unless the weather warms up and the scientists tell us that the virus won't survive in very warm weather and they're hoping, like other flus... It disappears once the summertime comes. But yeah it again all goes back to common sense. Mike and Mitch's stance says the coronavirus is very serious but once it gets lowered down on the news agenda will people still be as worried? Will people still be cancelling events like SARS and other diseases? It will be forgotten about. 1850 333 103. Our lines remain open. C103 Jobs a temporary admin officer is wanted. That's for work in Kenturk. Steel directors slash labourers are wanted to work in Kinsale. While coffee is super value in Bantam, they've got a vacancy for an online delivery d- uh, driver. And a bar person is wanted for Mallow Golf Club is to work 20 hours per week. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c 103ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
4: Court today on C103.
2: With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow, smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Low cost fuel.ie
1: We're going to leave COVID virus for a moment. I will return to your calls and comments but I want to move to a different topic and coincidentally it is another health issue because Irish hospitals and health services have been called on to join a worldwide pledge which was launched last week to end harmful stigma and discrimination against people living with obesity. To discuss the campaign, I'm joined from the Irish Society of Clinical Nutrition and, um, and Metabolism by Dr. Carl Neff, who is a consultant physician at St. Colum's Kills Hospital. Good morning to you, Carl, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, Thank for, you. Is obesity classed as a disease? Yes,
0: yeah, so obesity is recognised as a disease for, as for the last couple of years now. And the reason for that is that contrary to what most people think, obesity isn't as simple as a diet or lifestyle type problem. So a lot of people think that the reason people have obesity is that they eat too much or don't take enough exercise. But actually, over the last 20 years, we've done a lot of research and we've found that it's much more complicated than that for the vast majority of people. And for those majority of people, the issue is actually that their body, their metabolism, have set their body weight at a higher point than it should so that even though you're carrying extra weight, because remember that fat is supposed to be an energy store, so fat is supposed to be there when we don't eat, that we can use it for energy instead of eating. But most people with obesity find that they still feel hungry despite the fact that they're carrying extra weight or that when they try to lose weight, that their body resists the weight loss even when they're on a diet. So from all of the evidence that we've taken from multiple studies, over the last two decades, we've realised that actually this isn't as simple as you stop eating or, or take more exercise and you don't have obesity anymore. Actually, it's a disease and it's a disease of the of the metabolism where your metabolism isn't working as well as it should.
1: So that attitude, if you are obese, then it must be your own fault, is wrong and very unfair.
0: Very unfair. So having, um, So having this kind of blame culture around obesity is the same as telling somebody with asthma, you should stop breathing like that breathe yeah. normally because the person with asthma can't actually when they have an asthma attack they have wheezing and problems with breathing they can't consciously change that people with obesity and i believe me from working in obesity specialist clinics for years now people with obesity are often some of the hardest working patients you'll ever meet because they've tried diets they've gone on every kind of diet you can imagine it done them for weeks months and years and what most people with obesity find is that the diet might work at the start they might start losing weight, but eventually they stop losing weight even though they stick to the diet. And that's because the disease of obesity is this maladaption, this kind of malfunctioning of the metabolism where even though you're carrying extra weight, more weight than you need to carry, as soon as you start losing weight, the internal mechanism thinks there's a famine on. So we need to do two things to preserve our body weight. One is that we need to increase the appetite to so the person who eat anything that's edible in the environment. So again, in a famine, and we know this from the Irish famine 150 or so years ago, people would boil grass. They'd eat anything that they thought was edible because it's an incredibly strong hunger, hunger signal. People with obesity today will get that when they go on a diet, and anybody who's been on a diet will tell you that. But even though the hunger signal is not conscious, you can consciously deny yourself food, and you can stop yourself from eating despite feeling very hungry. However, your body has a second line of defense. So even if with amazing willpower you don't eat, even though you're very hungry, your body will then kick in the second line of defense, which is to stop burning calories. And that's where the real metabolic problem comes in. So your calorie, normally people burn about, say, 1,500 to 2,000 calories a day. When you go on a diet, you'll start reducing that down. So on a very strict diet, you might only burn 800 or 900 calories a day. So you start using fewer calories despite the fact You're trying to lose weight. Your body resists against that weight.
1: God, it's
0: like a vicious circle. It's vicious, yeah. And this is actually why when people go on a diet, they find that they hit this weight plateau, they stop losing weight. Then they say, okay, that's as much weight as I can lose. So now I'll go on to a nice, healthy diet, stir fries, chicken salad, the good stuff. Healthy, balanced diet. What happens? Weight goes right back up. Mm. And the way that people without obesity view this is, oh, that person is eating pizzas and ice cream and all sorts, and they stopped for a little while, but now they're back eating pizza and ice cream. That's not what's happening. What's happening is the person is usually on a diet healthier than mine, and I don't have obesity, but their metabolism has changed. They're burning very few calories. So even a healthy, balanced twelve or 1,500-calorie-a-day diet, which is even less than most people would need, is still more than you're burning when you're on a prolonged diet. So it is really not people's fault from the majority, there are certainly some cases of people that just make very poor food choices and with simple uh, dietary measures or with a structured diet and exercise programme will lose weight in the long term. But that's only 10 or even maximum 20% of people with obesity. The other 90 or 80% will, despite doing everything they can with diet and exercise, not be able to lose weight in the long term.
1: And what sort of discrimination do people living with obesity face?
0: So people, um, I've had people crying in clinic because kids on the bus on the way to clinic or um, when they were parking, people have pointed out, you know, their weight or people would say things to them like, would you not try to lose weight or would you not eat a little less or would you not go to a gym? They've done that usually. So on day to day experiences, people face that kind of discrimination where people just assume that because you have obesity, you must be lazy, you must be greedy and you mustn't be very clever because otherwise, if you were, you would have gone on a diet and lost all that weight by But the real focus of our campaign, I mean, we're we're focused on obesity stigma everywhere it happens in society, but a real specific focus of our campaign is in healthcare. And the reason we're focusing on that is that we've had a couple of studies in the last three or four years that have shown that more than 70% of healthcare professionals, so this could be doctors, nurses, dietitians, psychologists, anybody you can think of, that works in healthcare in the 70% or more will actually have those same attitudes despite knowing that there's scientific facts there saying no this is a disease problem there's an issue with metabolism all the things I mentioned despite knowing that they'll still say yeah but actually if they just tried hard enough they would lose the weight so that will limit the person with obesity uh, being able to discuss their weight because as soon as they bring it up the healthcare professional is likely to say just try harder which doesn't work but also it prevents people with obesity going to their doctors at all.
1: So last and year, go, and or, go, coming forward for help.
0: And coming forward for help yeah. for their obesity or anything else. So we had a stand in St Vincent's University Hospital uh, where I also work, um, last week as part of World Obesity Day. And that stand was just myself, other um, people working in, in obesity clinics and research and also patient representatives. And the amount of people that stopped and said, I'm afraid to go to my GP with back pain or I'm afraid to go to my GP with shortness of breath I'm afraid to to look for help because I know when I go in they'll look at my weight and say, yeah, that's your weight. Well, you should that's lose weight. That's and shocking. it stops people from accessing healthcare. And, and
1: Carl, Carl, what treatment is available for people who suffer from obesity?
0: Well, this is the unfortunate part of the story. So identifying stigma and addressing stigma, we all can do that today and tomorrow and forever. We can make a huge change in people's lives by just stopping by just changing the way we think and stopping ourselves from falling into that negative stigma cycle. When it comes to actually treating obesity, it's very, very difficult to treat. Diet and exercise treatment should definitely be tried because, as I said, 10 to 20% of people will have long-lasting weight reduction and long-lasting treatments of their obesity with diet and exercise-based programs. So if people haven't tried that, they definitely should, and the best way to do that is in a structured program. Now, that could be something commercially available. Um, In some areas, there's very limited access to um, uh, publicly funded uh, programs of some kind. In the Weight Management Service here in St. Conklin's Hospital, where I'm speaking to you uh, from today, we have the National Weight Management Service, Uh, which can accept referrals of a specific cohort of people. So there are some diet and exercise programs available and people should try that. However, if you've tried that and it doesn't work, then there are only two other options. One is medicines and one is surgery. Medicines, uh, there are three main medicines that we have for treating obesity today. They're unfortunately not reimbursed, so people would have to pay out of pocket. Uh, for these. Uh, there are two of them that are tablets, one which is an injection, and you can talk to your GP about some of those options. Some GPs are able to prescribe them, some are not, um, but specialists, and we have an obesity clinic um, here in St. Cullum Kills and in uh, St. Vincent's uh, Hospital as well, we have uh, obesity clinics where people can go for medical treatment and we can prescribe those for them. And then the third and final option is surgical treatment. So in Cork, there is a surgical program uh in the bonds, I think. Um, so I'm not sure that there's no public program in Cork. The only public surgical programs are in Galway and Dublin at the moment. But there are surgical treatment options available in most places, uh, but often only in the private system, which is really, not again,
1: again discriminating against discrimination so the ones that have. And Camille, why are the drugs not reimbursed? So the drugs are not
0: reimbursed uh, for. Well, It's a good question, because there's a couple of reasons probably. What we found across Europe, so this is not just an Irish problem, uh, it's actually the case across Europe and pretty much everywhere, that because obesity affects, in, in Ireland it affects one in four people, and an additional one in four are at risk, so potentially half the population in the next 10 years could be living with obesity. And so the government realises if they put these on a drug payment scheme or on a medical card scheme uh, reimbursement, that's a lot of money they could be potentially paying out for medicines on a year-by-year basis. So, presumably that's why. But that might be my uh, sceptical yeah. or paranoid... Yeah,
1: head. it, it, it straight away got me to think it, it's almost like gosh, it must be your own fault. We really need to pay for your medication at the same time. It almost well, falls into that category. Well, if
0: you're a cynic, you would say that yeah. this is why this line is trotted out to kind of take the... Blame well not the blame, but the responsibility away from the healthcare service and putting it on the individual. Individuals have to have responsibility for their health, absolutely. But when it comes to something like obesity, we know that the majority of people are trying really hard themselves and unable to treat it without help. Okay. So we, and as the healthcare service, should be offering this.
1: and sort of false economy as well, Carl, because of the other health implications that arise from obesity.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So uh, what we know is obesity is associated with lots of other diseases. A lot of people know about diabetes, for example. A lot of people know about heart disease and high blood pressure. But actually diabetes or obesity is also associated with other conditions like sleep apnea and even some cancers. And what we know from surgical studies, we've only really proven this very well in surgical studies, but we have proven that in people who have bariatric or metabolic surgery, so that's the weight loss surgery, within five years or so, you've recovered the cost because they come off their blood pressure tablets. They come off their insulin and they're less likely to have heart attacks or have cancer which again has a cost associated with it. So there is very good evidence to say that in the long term we would save money by treating obesity, but the problem is in the political space, we're still in that cycle which hopefully will change where we're kind of on a year-by-year budget. You know, So people are not thinking about budget in five years. They're thinking, well, I need to keep my budget this year and next year we can think again. Whereas if we had a kind of longer-term budgetary strategy, that might allow people to really think about Treating obesity more directly through the healthcare service uh, because it would save money. We would definitely save money okay.
1: um, in the long term. With oh, and, and well done on your campaign, uh, Carol. And thanks a million for joining us uh, on the program this morning. I enjoyed our chat. Thank thanks for that. Bye bye. Bye bye. Dr. Carl Nath, consultant physician at St. Cullum Kills Hospital on the issue of obesity. Uh, West Cork listener says Hi, Patricia. My weight was around 11 stone until I went on a certain medically prescribed tablet. And my weight doubled over six months to approximately twenty two stone. Oh, my! goodness. Uh, I now have the weight under reasonable control and I've reduced my weight uh, somewhat. That's dreadful and I'm assuming that you're off the meds now uh, and keep battling the weight will come down but that is that is tough. That is tough to be put on a medication for whatever you needed to be on the medication for and then because of that your weight doubles to 22 stone. Absolutely shocking. Thank you for your WhatsApp to 0862 103, 103. and somebody earlier sent me in a photograph and asked me if we could find out what was going on please and it was a photograph that was taken at Charleville train station I think yesterday and it it just shows the I suppose sense of panic that's out there with the COVID-19 and it is a photograph of I'm assuming there are two gentlemen one is in a white overall the complete overall with the hood up and the other is in a yellow overall again with the hood up and somebody was wondering what's going on what were they doing at Charleville train station so we got on to Irish Rail who tell us that Irish Rail are doing some line works at night in the area and the overalls are just the normal ones worn by the contractors when doing maintenance on the on-track machines during the day. So there's nothing to panic. It wasn't anybody in doing a deep clean uh, or anything inside in Charleville Train Station. It's just literally ongoing track maintenance. 1850 333
4: 103. Court today on
2: C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel & Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, term- Kiln dried wood and gas. Low cost fuel.ie.
1: No surprise to hear that 77% of people claim to have walked into dog poo on the street, according to a new survey by Dogs Trust, who have just launched their annual dog Fouling awareness campaign. Joining me from Dogs Trust, uh, Kerry Sullivan. Good morning to you, Kerry. Good morning. Professor. and you for having me on. Well, you're very welcome. Why do you believe some dog owners just don't want to clean up after their own dogs?
9: I suppose this whole week is just about getting the messaging out there and asking people to, you know, think of the people in their community that this could affect. Uh, I don't know what the reason why some people might not want to. It could be a stigma. It could be um, they'd be a little bit embarrassed. Because we, in our survey, we found that you know, ninety-six percent of dog owners claim that they do pick up, but we've also found that sixty-nine percent of walkers often see people not pick up after their dog. So
1: yes, yeah, you know, so someone's not, someone's, rattle. someone's not telling the truth. Outside the head, of it being absolutely disgusting to walk into, there are health implications.
9: Oh, yes, there are serious health implications. Like, dog food can contain a lot of nasty bacteria, such as E. coli and parasites. And, you know, it might, it's unpleasant to see, it's unpleasant to step in. But there's members of the community, such as wheelchair users, visually impaired people, babies, and toddlers, who are more at risk of, you know, coming into contact with this and it being a, a, you know, a risk to their health. It contains, like, roundworms tapeworms like it's just really not nice and you really just don't want anyone to be you know getting on their hands or getting it on their wheelchair or something it's just not very nice.
1: Yeah and then people with with prams and then you weed it through the house and it ends up you know if you haven't noticed it I mean it's just disgusting Um, and of course you're also breaking the law yeah,
9: exactly. Under the Section 22 of the Litter Pollution Act, it is a law that you need to pick up after your dog. So whether it's a public road, if it's a school ground, sports ground, it's the law, and you can get an on-spot fine of 150 euro and a maximum fine of up to four grand if you're convicted in the district court as well. So yeah, it's a big fine to pay. Do we Something know? So
1: do we know how many people fined?
9: I think that's really done by your local county council. So they have each figure is done by the council. I don't, I don't know how many they are, um, but they should have all that information if you do yeah. ask them. I think
1: it's kind of hard. They've got to actually see the dog do his business and then the person walk away.
3: Yeah. You know, exactly. and
1: unfortunately, we can't have a dog warden or a litter warden on every street and in every park.
9: I know, that's the that's the problem really. So like if we would say maybe if you're comfortable, if you're a dog walker and you've got an extra poo bag on you, maybe offer it to the person if you're comfortable going up to them because they might not have one, they might be caught out or maybe they had no intentions of picking it up and the poo bag, you know, might I don't know, may, make them I think prompt, twice them, prompt them to do it. Yeah.
1: Talk to me about your campaign. It's called The Big Scoop and you're really pushing it to school children.
9: Yeah, so we're going to push it all. We do it every year, basically, and this week our education and community team will be visiting different schools around all across Ireland. Um, They're basically going to be teaching their three-tier approach, which is the law that it is the law, the health of how it can affect and the people that it affects. But our whole... message to schools is that it's not a job for a child. It is not the child's responsibility. We'll not be encouraging children to pick up after dogs. It it's simply the children are the dog future or dog owners of the future. So it's still that message of, you know, what it is to be a responsible dog owner and also to ask children to remind adults that it is their responsibility to pick up. So yeah, we have lots of nice workshops across um, across Ireland. There's a free downloadable toolkit for if we're not visiting your school. You can download it. It's full of lessons, posters, plans, and um, different activities. You can get that on learnwithdogstrust.ie
1: And I think it's great to target children because children are great to point out to adults.
9: Yeah they are indeed they say to. exactly what their,
1: what's on their mind Yeah because yeah, it, it can be I mean I, you know over the years because it's one of those issues I could open the phone lines Kerry every day and talk yeah. about dog fouling and everyone has a story uh, to tell about it and you know people just get so cross and so annoyed by it of and course. you have to be very brave to confront somebody and say Oi clean up after your dog of I mean we, it would be great if we could all do it but you've got to be brave don't you to do it
9: yeah, like I, not everyone would be comfortable going up and it, it's not, it's not our responsibility, I suppose, to confront other people. It's just to get the messages there. So if you, if you don't bring poop bags with you, maybe just consider it, maybe just think of the people in your community who this is affecting. It only takes one a second to do, like it really isn't a big issue and it's done and it's way more embarrassing. Well, I think. To leave it and walk yeah, off and pretend yeah. you don't see it, so it shouldn't be for anyone to confront you over it. it. As a dog owner and a responsible dog owner, it just should be something that just becomes habit. You just bring poo bags with you wherever you go.
1: And we're all gone nuts with washing our hands and yeah. the, the COVID nineteen and keeping ourselves, you know, safe and keeping everybody else in our community safe. I mean, this, that's that's what we're asking yeah, responsible a- pet owners to do. Exactly.
9: Just to be kind, think of those who are more at risk and pick it up. Any bag or any bin will do. So all you have to do is pick it up, put it in any bin or there's like attachable things that go into your lead if you if there is no bin around and you need to carry it with you. But yeah. And then obviously, of course, when you get home, wash your hands as well because it does carry bacteria. That yeah, have.
1: I know I was in Australia last year and my sister-in-law, we were staying with, they have a dog and we walk to daily and on his lead is that little container that has the dog, the, little, the poo bags in it. Yeah. And it is illegal in Australia to have your dog out in a lead unless you have the bags with you. You can be stopped and asked. Yeah do you have the bags? And I thought, fantastic idea. So no, way, idea. so everybody has them. It's something I think we should be looking at here as, uh, as well. How are you yeah. doing in Dogs Trust, uh, Kerry? Busy as ever?
9: Oh, yeah, we're doing great. Busy, busy as always. We're always full to capacity. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's great here at the moment. There's lots of happy um, dogs and we also have lots of puppies as well because oh. we've had some pregnant mums in. So, yeah, they're always... Always cute to go down and visit the puppies whenever you're
1: having a hard day. <laughs> so do you go to work every day and, and get to play with puppies?
9: Well, I make it a mission of mine to go down at lunchtime to make sure that I spend time with an adult dog or a puppy, just uh. to make sure, because I work in the office and we don't see them all the time. But it's important to go down. They get used to all different people. I've actually had a puppy who's been on my desk the last uh, couple of weeks because he's uh, been separated from his mum. He was too young to feed so um, he's been kind of hand-reared up in the office and oh, he's very cute. Distracting,
1: but very, very cute. How will you part with him?
9: Oh, I know. He's going to have to find a very special home. We're all very attached to him. We're we're looking for... There's someone um, who we know who might want to adopt him. So that will be great. Best of all, where you get to keep updated
1: with him. And of course, you know, it's so important when people are, are considering taking on a pup and, you, you know, a much-loved dog go take a rehomed one there's something magical about a dog getting a second chance isn't there and the, and the, yeah, that, that unconditional it. love
9: that's it and they so deserve it they're so forgiving they're so resilient you know we have dogs that come in they've had most had the most difficult start in the world and a bit of love and a kind hand a bit of patience and you know they have a they do a complete turnaround and they just they really are there's something really special about them
1: all right because i know we've had huge problems it's certainly in in our neck of the woods here in in cork particularly around the north cork area with puppy farms and uh, yeah. you you just you bring home a you you spend a huge sum of money on an animal and then you bring all kinds of problems home with you yeah, as well
9: yeah you don't know what you're buying and um, like if if you adopt from a rescue you know you've got some You've got a fear for life, whether it's behavioural concerns or we do all of neutering and microchipping and stuff for all of our dogs that go home. You get pet insurance, you know what you're getting when you kind of work with a rescue and yeah whenever you bring home a dog from a rescue you're also freeing up a space for another dog in need to come in so essentially you're saving two dogs
1: yeah well done well done listen continued uh, good luck with you do fantastic work in in Dogs Trust and buckets of luck with your dog folding awareness campaign and thanks for joining us on the programme Kerry good morning to you thanks very much Uh, bye 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 bye. Bye bye. Uh, that is uh, Kerry Sullivan that must be gorgeous to be able to have access to gorgeous pups because pups are wonderful Uh, everything a day uh, somebody's saying out um, where they live yesterday evening somebody didn't clean up after their dog and right this morning outside the door same again this morning it's absolutely filthy please people can we get that message out to dog owners be responsible and just clean up after your dogs we're going to take a break Uh, 18.50 333 103 we have news at 12 midday on the way I can see a lot of commentary coming in I'll get to all of those calls and uh, comments and we're also going to chat with Joe Heffernan uh, in the next hour it's all to come after 12
4: Court Today On
2: C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drews Fuel and Go, Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cozy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie. So you've got a smartphone or tablet
4: Download the C103 app today And listen to your favourite shows on the go
2: And if you've a smart speaker Ask it to play C103
9: Play C103 Okay.
2: On your phone, tablet Smart speaker and radio
9: Turn up the volume
2: We are C103
4: Every couple has a story of how they met My man met my dad at school uh, In detention My best friend met his wife At a club through a friend of a friend, and my boss met her fiance after they got chatting online. Find someone to share your story with at c103dating.ie. 24% of Irish people have tried online dating, and one in five relationships begin there. At c103dating.ie, we have genuine, nice people that would like to meet you. Begin your story today by registering for free at c103dating.ie.
1: texts and calls and commentaries. Let me just try and get a, a quick look. Can I go firstly to what we were talking with the Dogs Trust in the last uh, hour and this is to do with their annual dog fouling campaign and trying to get that message through to people that please, you know, you love your pets and you take them off for your walks but you just clean up after them. Some of your commentary on this and as I said to Kerry Sullivan from Dogs Trust, I could probably do a feature every single day on dog fouling and somebody will have a story or a new story to share and, uh, and tell us about because it's just uh, shocking. I'm a regular pooper scooper says this texter but it's rare you can find a bin to put it in and I have absolutely heard that on uh, people complaining but it doesn't stop you being a regular pooper scooper and it is awful that you have to carry your bag of poo around with you but I I know and I take from the tone of your text that that's exactly what you do. So yeah, council, you need to listen up please and provide more bins so that people can dump when they when they're being responsible about picking up after their dog, their dog, they need to be able to to dump the instead of having to carry the bag around with them. Uh, Marion Drumahan says they all poop right outside your footpath. I think I'm assuming this is my footpath all the time. We must wash it down every time. It is so rude of them for people who live whose front door is straight onto the street it must be just horrendous if they're in an area where it's busy where dogs and people regularly walk with their dogs it's all the more reason in areas like that that people need to clean up after their dogs uh, please and then I had a quick chat at the end because it was trust about adopting a dog and and anytime we talk about somebody looking on our pet slot for example with Jane if you know we hear from people who are looking for advice about a dog that they'd like to uh, Forever to to bring home to have, to, to have a pet, and what I'm always trying to steer people towards: go to some of the wonderful dog shelters and animal shelters that we have, and take on and give a dog a second chance because anyone that's ever adopted a dog from a shelter will tell you. I don't know what it is. It's as if the dog knows I've been given a second chance and that unconditional love it's just incredible to become part and parcel of the family. Well that prompted Liz in Kinsale to say Trish I'd love to adopt uh, a dog from a shelter but I work full time so I wouldn't be at home all all day and no rescue will even visit my home. Oh I didn't realise that. Says Liz in Kinsale I didn't see somebody has to be at home I I was unaware of that and I suppose that's just the way they look after dogs and animals it's different with a cat you can leave a cat at home on their own and sometimes cats prefer to be on on their own but I suppose nobody wants to if you're going to look after a dog correctly it shouldn't be left home alone all day so I suppose that is the reason why animal shelters will insist that when they are giving out a dog for adoption they will insist that the person somebody must be at home all of the time 185333103 also coming into us on texts um OK, these, these are some of the texts that are coming into us to do with coronavirus. Uh, Pat says, hi Trish, I reckon I had that virus about two weeks ago because it felt like I had a broken rib. I ended up going to the doctor and I was put on meds, so I'm OK now. Well, if you were put on meds, it must have been some kind of a chest infection that you had, Pat. But, you know, who's to say that it didn't start with the coronavirus? A lot of people are speculating and reckoning that that bug, that virus that was around before Christmas, and it definitely was a virus that was around before Christmas, Could that possibly have been uh, coronavirus? When a person, this is another text, Douglas Listener, when a person recovers from the virus, has the virus left their body? Or is he or she still a carrier? Well, I know the gentleman that was on the Clareburn live show last night, he was talking from the hospital bed. He has to be clear of the virus for two days before they leave him out of isolation and leave him out of the hospital. So I suppose once you're clear for two days, you you should be okay. It's it's while you still have the virus in your system that obviously you are contagious. Hi Patricia, regarding shaking and not shaking of hands, I can't see the logic in this elbow tipping that people are doing. If people sneeze or cough into their sleeve and then the person doesn't wipe down their sleeve and then they brush off somebody else and they do this elbow bumping, are you not going to pass the infection on that way as well? Yes, yeah, so many ways for you to pick it up absolutely yeah this is where it goes back to though keep your own hands spotlessly clean and be careful with when you put your hands up to your face to your mouth to your nose to your eyes before you eat just constantly make sure you're washing your hands and you need to get that through to children as well just keep the hand hygiene to protect yourself and someone else says like that mild case of a virus in hospital uh, on that gentleman that you were talking about was on the Clare Byrne did they say what meds uh, he was on they didn't but as far as I know as with the ordinary flu if you get the ordinary flu and I can speak from experience because I had that a couple of weeks ago there isn't anything you can't get an antibiotic for it. I'd, I'd, there was some antiviral meds that I was able to take but I think that just limits, it just reduces the symptoms by about two days it doesn't take the virus the way the virus just has to go through your system. So from what I can gather with the COVID nineteen, it's the same. It's pain relief and anything to bring down the fever because there's a fever, high temperature with it. So your Panadol, your Paracetamol is what you will be given, and you know, and for pain relief and to bring down the um, at the at the temperature. That's the main way at the moment uh, of what they are actually doing. Okay, some of your text, some of your WhatsApp's coming in. Hi Patricia, with all the coronavirus been, talk, been spoken about, I can hardly believe what I witnessed. I was in a shop that sells cakes and breads. One of the assistants who was serving another customer licked her fingers to open the plastic bag, then with the same hand, picked up a small loaf of bread and placed it in the bag. It was absolutely disgusting. Uh, if we never had coronavirus, such a thing as that's just bad hygiene, says matt matty did did you stay in the shop and then buy your unwrapped bread yourself, Matty, or what did you do? One wonders, okay, Patricia, spare a thought, please. were people worried about covid nineteen What are hotels doing to keep their rooms? Free of germs, says Heidi. Yeah, I, I take it. Well, there's cleaning. this cleaning goes on every day inside in hotels. Do they do extra deep cleaning? I don't know. I I presume they do because it will be really important for hotels to make sure that they don't get an outbreak of COVID-19 because that would be absolutely detrimental to the hotel's business. So I don't in any way think that hotels, I'd say they're probably doing deep uh, cleaning Hi Patricia this is William Fromoya. I was told by somebody that supermarkets are rationing paracetamol to one box per customer because of the coronavirus and people were believing it However, this legislation has been in place for years now. It just goes to show how rumours can be spread online and um, says William. Actually, I was, I was about to say, I thought supermarkets were only allowed to sell you one box. Yeah, the one box has nothing to do with rationing and the rationing that I mentioned earlier is rationing that's going on at Tesco in the United Kingdom. They've started doing rationing. I I don't know if anybody's heard of rationing happening in this country. I haven't heard of any as of yet. That's not to say that the rationing isn't happening. But if it is, can you let us know, please? And and we'll pass it on to other people. But I'm sure supermarkets will put up signs inside in shops if they think, if they feel the need to introduce rationing. But I think if, if we can just in some way stop all the panic so we don't have people rushing out to be buying every packet of pasta and every tin of beans that was certainly where I was in Mallow over the weekend you couldn't get a tin of beans. Everyone was, buying, was st- trying to stock up. OK, some of your emails in to patricia at c103.ie Hi Patricia, all the advice about the advi- virus says to avoid people coughing and sneezing. But to me, it seems it must be spreading much easier than just through droplets from coughing and sneezing. Is it not sp- spreading through the air that people are breathing? Is it not an air born. Condition. These people are not sneezing and coughing directly, and people are all over them, and yet it is still spreading. No, uh, all of the experts are saying it isn't airborne. It is definitely by uh, droplet. The main way the disease spreads is through respiratory do- droplets, which are expelled by somebody who is either coughing or sneezing. It is not an airborne condition. And the most effective way to protect yourself and others against COVID 19 is to frequently clean your hands. Cover your cough with the bend of your elbow or cough or sneeze into a tissue and then dispose of it immediately and maintain a distance of at least one meter from anyone who's coughing or sneezing because the droplet has. See, the droplet can get on you and then. If you're not keeping your hands clean, the droplet then if you wipe your say it's on a sleeve or say it's on a door handle that somebody sneezed or coughed on and or they coughed into their hand and then put their hand onto a door handle or the banister of a stairs or whatever, and then you put your hand there, gets onto your hand. If you don't keep your hands clean, five percent is on your hand and then it can go into your nose, your mouth, or your eyes. That's why the constant cleaning of your hands is so important. And then Mara says, Patricia, the media, the media are giving us conflicting messages about COVID-19. We hear from some sources that the virus poses a greater threat to those with underlying health problems uh, than it does for healthy people, and that it's a mild sickness for most people, as nearly all flus are. Other media sources are forecasting huge death tolls from the virus, which is spreading fear and panic, and actually lowering people's immune. Capability should the virus infect them. It's interesting to contrast the COVID 19 flu virus with the ordinary flu virus, which does not seem to be prevalent this year and we are glad not to hear an epidemic of children dying from it so far. The media have become centre stage in our lives because of COVID-19 with elements getting carried away so that they can tighten the grip and dependency of people on their product. The media must behave responsibly and stop spreading the deadly virus of sensationalism and unbalanced reporting uh, says Mars. and I hope you're not including us in that. That's why we are really trying to keep as balanced as we can with any of the report that we're doing and I'm constantly pushing out that figure that 80% of 80% of people who will will get it if they get it it'll be a very very mild uh, illness and we can all protect ourselves with good hand uh, hygiene and when you talk about Uh, Tens of thousands of people will die from COVID 19. That's the worldwide figure. And if you put that alongside the worldwide figure on the number of people who die from the ordinary flu, many more people will die from the ordinary flu this year than will die from. COVID-19. That's widely accepted by all of the experts. Eighteen I'm going to Joan who is in for Moy. Good afternoon to you, Joan.
7: Good afternoon, Patricia.
1: Joan, you you were in a shop that's that's bringing in rationing.
7: Well, I was in Super Value and I thought it was a very good thing yesterday because the antibacterial hand wash, they were just allowing two per customer.
1: Well done. Well Brilliant,
7: done, I thought. Fantastic. What? to Michael Reardon and staff.
1: Super value in for moi. In
7: for moi. Because some people were furious that they couldn't pick up six. <laughs> and I enjoyed listening. I actually stood by to survey the yeah, antics.
1: The exchange.
7: And, um, like, I thought it was very fair. Everybody then had an equal crack at the whip as such, you know. And, um... The toilet rolls were scarce. But again, I'm not obsessed with toilet rolls. <laughs> and I find if you buy too many 24 packs, you've no place to put them. That's it. That's and it. they're on offer again.
1: Again, you need them. But like, I saw, I, I, was, I, I actually witnessed this man on, in, it was in Aldi, in Mallow on Sunday. And his, he had one of the big trolleys and it was overflowing with just toilet rolls. A and I can't. Yeah, I wanted to go over and say to him like, man, what? Are you filling a bunker or something? I just I, it was shocking. It's, I mean, it is crazy because you'd always have
7: some tissues in the house, <laughs> that <wouldn't> would suffice. <laughs> you would. <laughs> we often had two packs of 24 going back years and you see, feel you'd have so many in the spare press you might go down to one or two. Mm. You know, so I just buy a pack of nine yeah.
1: or twelve now, and that's enough. And well, well, well done, and well done to SuperValu for more. And I imagine other stores because we got a call on Monday in from a woman who was in, an, in in another supermarket. I can't remember where she was, and she said a gentleman came in. He put his trolley right up beside where all the liquid soaps were, oh. and he put his two arms in and just swept Rept. swept the whole straight down it like they were falling on the floor. He was taking so many, that's and then up he went. And of course, there was no soaps then, liquid soaps for anybody else for the rest and of the day. And I feel
7: sorry for people that are doing one weekly shop on a pension and they're budgeting.
1: Yeah, and they can't bulk bar. They buy.
7: can't get it when they go, and that is pathetic.
1: Yeah, yeah we have to stop and. and yeah, y-
7: no, I was Don't be really selfish. delighted yesterday. Well done. Because um, it was a great start, I felt. But they always are good with offers like that. Good. They do limit three, four per person.
1: You'll see that at Christmas, though, with the selection boxes and with the drink whatever. I didn't yeah. think we'd ever see it with antibacterial wipes, but unfortunately we, we haven't. Yeah, I really well. no,
7: And people are, like, they're buying the everything to do with wipes and Dettol. And I mean, you can only do... We all always have, have a few of them in the house. And I mean, if we keep things clean and do the necessary...
1: Just buy what I'm, you need. Just buy what you need. Yeah,
7: I know. And I know it is. But just before I go, the one thing last night on Claire Burn, I did think... Not Doctor Nina, but that other doctor was wonderful.
1: Ev, this is a female doctor, yes. isn't it? Yeah, I must because I missed it. now. I was. She really I laid mo-
7: down the line. Yeah, we I must. should have done more. We're waiting for experts, as she said. And who's to say they are the experts? Yeah. And uh, she really impressed me.
1: Okay, I'll take a look. Li- the
7: I'll... others were okay, but they've changed their coat in the last week. A lot of them, and they were afraid. It took Cork, actually, and I'm not pushed either
1: way to set the lead with the parade. It did. It did. It absolutely was did. number one. We were the first with you all. We broke that story yeah. on Friday. You all were the first and, and then, then the, ripple, the ripple effect was other others and then Cork City jumped in before yeah. Dublin and as and well. And only yesterday. for
7: that, I don't think yesterday we might have had Dublin for another few days.
1: Yep. OK, listen no, Joe, my, and look after yourself Okay, uh, stay bye. safe, bye bye 1850-333-103 Castletown roach bally Church Restoration Bingo Fundraiser uh, due to be held next Monday night on the eve of St. Patrick's Day has been cancelled and the Marketing Institute of Ireland Cork Maritime Ball due to take place on the 21st of March also cancelled The C103
4: Cork Diary
2: With Cork County Council supporting businesses Supporting communities Serving Cork Visit CorkCoco.ie
1: Now this is something that is going ahead and it's going on today We spoke about this about two weeks ago on the programme This is this new initiative on health and well-being, beginning in Mallow where a GP or another healthcare professional can refer patients experience loneliness or anxiety or other non-medical needs to a link worker who will then support them to become more integrated into the community There's an information stand today at the Mallow Primary Healthcare Centre. It's there all day today if you want to pop along and find out a little bit more about it. Bishopstown and District Lions Club table quiz at Bishopstown GAA is on tonight at 8. Tables of four, 40 euro. Proceeds will go to St. Gabriel's Special School and other local charities. And the monthly mass in honour of St. Pio, taking place at the Church of the Resurrection in Mallow tonight at half past 8. Please note... The change of time it's at half past uh, eight Bandon Hill Walking Club in conjunction with Lishine's House holding a talk on well-being and suicide prevention. Coppergrove in Bandon tomorrow night at half past seven. And your last chance to see the Tully Lee's Drama Group's presentation of Pretend Sick, a three-act comedy, is this Thursday night at eight o'clock in Tully Lee's Hall. Don't miss it.
4: Cork today on C103.
2: With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go, Shortcastle Street, Mallow, Smokeless Coal, Turf, Gas and Kiln-Dried Wood. Open late seven days. Low costfuel.ie C103 brings you Farm Talk with John O'Connor, Saturdays at 10am and Wednesdays at 10pm.
5: What are farmers' spring crop options? Some people would have liked to try to get beans in early in particular, or maybe they like spring wheat. Not because the area wasn't sown in the
2: autumn and, you know, the seed trade couldn't have predicted this, so seed will be scarce. Turn on Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Range. The complete feed for your calves this spring.
1: Only on C103. Okay, texting a listener wants to know is there any news on Bantir Bingo? Is it on or is it cancelled? We've no words to say that it's not cancelled, so we assume if they haven't contacted us, it's going ahead. Can have cancelled their
10: Bingo and Fomoy have cancelled their Bingo for the? How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment.
3: Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com.
1: A foreseeable future and the Mallow 10-mile road race, I'll now be told, is also cancelled. Now, Eddie Goggin, editor of The Opinion in Bandon, uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Eddie. Hello,
11: Patricia. How are you? Yeah,
1: I'm, I'm keeping very well. Your annual awards where you team up with the Bandon uh, Co-op You're cancelling or postponing?
11: We're postponing. Okay. uh, Hopefully um, until the autumn. Uh, We made the decision yesterday morning, just like many other organisations. We felt um, the nature of it. Usually there's 500, 600 people in the hall, uh, good two elderly, among the winners this year. And it's um the whole nature of the the night whereby people are congratulating and shaking hands and yeah. we just felt we had no choice but to be attacked responsibly and to postpone it. Again look, we do, we can't look into the future. Uh we we don't know. The only other um the only other experience we've had of this was back in two thousand and one with the foot and mouth.
1: What happened that year? And
11: uh, we postponed it and we had it at a later stage. But the foot of mouth really set hold around March and it was gone by September. But uh, we delayed... Um, we actually held one in May. From We delayed it from February to May and uh, things were beginning to improve a bit at that stage. Yeah. But we were, again dictated by the Department of Agriculture at the time but look this is a different
1: kit to fish it completely. You absolutely, know? absolutely yeah. I, th- I think you're being really sensible and yeah. you are right, the nature of an awards night yeah. is everybody hugging and shaking hands that's and the whole know, thing, you know. Yeah, so I, th- I think you are right and please God, look if this is anything like flus, it'll disappear in the summer and it'll be gone and by next year there'll be a vaccine and, and we won't even have exactly. to talk, yeah, talk God, about that's, it
11: that's again. I'd like to say all the different organisations and individuals who nominate it people, uh, because right across the sporting, social, community and cultural and, and voluntary life of West Cork, they've come in from all angle, all quarters, and the uh, letters were to go out yesterday to the winners and to those who nominated winners, those that didn't get into the winners' enclosure on this occasion, but just to say look, that there'll be, please God, that there'll be no change uh, to the winners, uh, the list have been, the adjudication has has been d- done and completed, and uh, if we do have it in the autumn, uh, hopefully early October, uh, we will um, just keep going where we left off. And OK. Left
1: off the Let us know the date and we'd be only too glad to give a mention for you. Thanks for that, uh, thanks Eddie. Look, much, look after yourself. Thanks yeah. a million. Bye-bye. eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Hi, Patricia. Quick question. With all this coronavirus thing going on, I'm wondering about something completely different. I'm wondering about the NCT test. Centres says this texter are they back up and running again I did the test a few weeks ago but my car wasn't put up on the lift for obvious reasons they were had suspended that part of the test and I'm wondering if I can now complete my NC, NCT test now I thought I'd get a text or an email to inform me but I haven't heard anything uh, I need to get the phase 2 done how is everybody else getting on with that? Has anybody else? Okay, so anyone who got the NCT test on your car done, when you weren't allowed to get the final part where they put it up on the list, take a look at the underbody, people drove away that day with a form saying you, you, they didn't, you didn't get a cert to say you'd passed, but telling you that you had to come back to have the visual part of the test done when the lifts were back up and running Are people being contacted by the NCT centres? Have people just gone back themselves? Are the lifts back up and operating? I know they were back operating in a limited number of areas within weeks of the cancellation of that part of the tests but I haven't heard or seen anything since. I'm sure some of our listeners will know. So anyone who's gone back for the second part of the NCT for the car to go up on the lift and have the underbody checked. Did you get a call from them? Did you get an email? Did you get a text message? What exactly is going on there. 1850 333 103. Gonna take a break and we're back chatting with Joe Heffner.
2: Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood and gas. Low cost fuel.ie. Eg Foyle Mock, is Far e C103 Air Kirk
10: Kirk.
9: Irish time cert no florida everglades ahgan and hrogel Imit and und Holesh, agas caller kishkwil irid exsul founder hagan chagen virul Agasna naplau rosnam agas counter e and the relic will c103 this is the cor-
1: Today, replay on C103. And we're just hearing Ryanair is to suspend all flights into and out of Italy and within Italy from now until Wednesday, the 8th of April. So, no real surprise on that one. That's Ryanair suspending all flights into and out of I- Italy. Now, Joe Heffern joins me on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. and we've been talking for the last uh, few weeks about suicide, and it was particularly uh, to do with um, following the very tragic death of Caroline Flack. Who, by the way, her funeral is today. Mm. Would you believe? And their family are having a private funeral, so we think of her our family difficult time for them. Yes. Um, so we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, and today we want to finish it up by talking about speaking to a child when there's been a suicide in the family, which is a very difficult thing I mean death for children it's hard enough, but when it's an unexplained sudden death like this, mm. that must make it even much more of a delicate topic
12: absolutely and parents will worry that the child will not be able to cope uh, with the reality of a death by suicide and um but sometimes i suppose um adults can um maybe not realise how resilient children really are. Um, I suppose um, the the real experts on this would be, for example, a parent who has been uh, through this experience, and uh, I'll quote from um, a lovely article that I came across called Help Is At Hand, and this is what a mother uh, said. She said, When he was, this was now um, where um, the the child's parent had uh, taken, in in this case, his own life. When he was five, my youngest son's questions changed from why did daddy die to how did daddy die? And as he played with his cars on the floor, I cried into the sink of dishes I was washing and I started to tell him the truth. When he turned eighteen, he thanked me for telling him the truth that time about his father's suicide. He said he now realised how difficult it must have been, but he said if I hadn't told him the truth, he would have lost his relationship with both parents that night. So that's
1: a good piece, yeah.
12: You know, And,
1: and and I also remember when remember when Anthony Foley died the Munster rugby coach and yeah. when he died that was not a wasn't suicide but it was very sudden mm. um, and I remember hearing his wife being interviewed and they, he had two very young children and her initial reaction was to protect the children and send mm. the children away mm. you know because obviously it happened in, in Paris didn't mm. it um, and they were back home in, in Limerick and she got on to a bereavement expert a nun from Limerick mm. I who, who said to her have your children centre stage. Have them. Yeah. You know, don't hide anything from it. I know age is important, and you need to keep it age appro- appropriate. Yes, very. But much. the worst thing you can do is hide everything from children, because, yeah. as you said, they're very intuitive. They're going to pick up on what's going wrong.
12: Yes, and of course, it's so much um, more appropriate, so much better that the child would hear it from um, uh, someone who loves them, a beloved parent, um, someone that they trust, rather than, you know, for example um, the playground in school or at an older age maybe social media um, so that like, this is a time when they really need reassurance, they really need to feel secure and safe so that um, if. if it it needs to come if possible um from a parent fra- or uh, you know someone that they really trust no that would be all within the limits of their age and the level of understanding that the child would have but nobody knows um uh, his or her child better than the parent and um you know some kids are uh, anxious other kids are not anxious um and you know that uh, that the person I think if the if the message is delivered with love in one's heart, maybe with a hug, that there would be uh, uh, feelings of safety and reassurance um, uh, delivered to, to the child. That that is really um, what's needed. Um, I remember many years ago um, I, I was asked to have a chat with some very young children in a school where um, um, uh, um, a little fellow pupil had uh, died in an accident, Um, uh, a parent of one in the class, uh, one of the children in the class had died, and um, their teacher had died. And um, you know, we were talking and, and chatting and we were kind of uh, going through uh, feelings of that. And one little girl said, um, uh, Joe, um, do you think I'm going to die? And it struck me so much that um, children can feel so insecure and so scared um, when when as in that case um so many uh, bad things had happened and you know the child really was looking for reassurance and i hope that what i said at the time uh, would have helped with that reassurance so that um i i suppose um the truth um were in uh, delivered in the appropriate um Way is is what will will help a child. Um. There was uh, there's a natural the natural response is to protect the child, mind yeah. the child, to and and all of that. And um, this is such such a difficult subject. And um, but. Uh,
1: but you you must make sure that the child doesn't in some way feel they're to blame. That would be my big fear factor. That
12: is a huge one because they'll
1: carry uh, that with them then for life, not even understanding that it was nothing to do with them.
12: Absolutely, absolutely, they can feel that uh, somehow that uh, you know uh, that they have um, uh, that they've been abandoned and also that maybe um that uh, you know it can be as simple as the time i was bold it can be as simple as the time that i um wouldn't um you know uh, take the dishes off the table and uh, these things need to be shared in a loving and um uh, age appropriate way um uh, maybe, maybe to share the truth. Um, maybe uh, gradually. Um,
1: and uh, obviously, all of the, uh, as we said at the outset, the words used are, are age-appropriate. Yes, but but it's using the correct words. I mean, words like death and dying.
12: Absolutely. I. I'm, uh, they, there's a Bernardo's um, uh, helping children to understand death and. Um, uh, they, they're very clear about that. Not to be using words like um, uh, "he's gone to sleep" or "granddad has gone away." Um, uh, we lost granddad uh, is not the way that that the the actual words of uh, dead um, uh, and uh, should be used because even though that they seem to be harsh, they're. They're much less likely to lead to misunderstandings later, and um, because children can take words extremely difficulty, uh, extremely. Um, uh, they take it literally.
1: Literally, they, uh, yeah. And so, if you say to someone they've gone to sleep. That then could lead to a child being fearful of going to sleep. Um, yeah. uh, for for example, and I know we were t- we we were t- when we've been talking about the COVID nineteen, we did a piece. Um, Last week, because we were getting calls in from parents of young children saying yeah. their children are terrified, and yeah. you know, and particularly when they're hearing vulnerable elderly people, we had one child who was obsessed that that granny was going to die, yeah, you know, and you just so you just have to be very careful of it's to get that balance right, but it's to answer children's questions, listen to them, yes, and be as truthful as you possibly can.
12: Absolutely, that's exactly the 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 the. the the way to put it to be as truthful as is safe to be, um, but that that it, that there, that it's not a closed subject in the house that that it is talked about. Um, there was one parent um, uh, quoted as saying, um, uh, "I, I told my daughter straight away, and she is the most stable little girl I know. I bought her a memories book." And told her to write down anything of what you shared with the person who had gone um like for example, going to places together, and the child um wrote down good memories and in later life was able to remember these things and um you know was able to uh, comprehend and able to um reach um uh, an understanding um wh- whereas um uh, the clause book um w- w- the the avoidance um would would not be helpful um uh, some of, of what i read was from um coping with suicide in childhood and um it was by uh, a lady called Kerry Noonan um who i think is based in Liverpool um, but this was uh, an australian uh, youth suicide um uh, uh, publication um so uh it must be the most absolutely difficult difficult time and um uh it's
1: dreadful and it's dreadful you know if if it's a parent uh, you've got the other parent grieving you know the loss of their much loved husband, wife Absolutely. whatever it is and then trying to look after the children at the same time so I would always say to people lean on others you know there will always be help available either through family, friends, the community and lean on others for the, for, for the help that, that you require. Absolutely. Okay, We'll leave it there and actually this is a, well, kind of a nice time Margaret Callan has just been on to say that the fashion show for suicide awareness has been scheduled for oh. this coming Friday night in Kilbrin Social Club has been deferred so much has been deferred uh, to uh, a later date. Are you looking after yourself, Joe, with the With the, with the COVID-19? Is it driving you yes. mad? Or yes. are, are you trying to remain calm or are you a bit panicked about it?
12: Um, I suppose trying to remain calm. Um, mm-hmm. Our son has um, an exhibition in the Royal Hibernian Academy in Dublin. It will run for a month from tomorrow until the 26th of April. Fabulous. And I'm thinking, I hope that all this... Um, uh, coronavirus thing doesn't impact negatively on it. Um, you know, uh, it, it 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 is a big um uh a huge influence in a, in a negative way on all our lives I suppose at the moment all we can do is take whatever measures we can to make that's sure it. we're safe
1: that's it and look look out for each other listen Joe yep. pleasure as always we'll talk but no, we won't talk next week because it'll be St Patrick's Day happy St Patrick's Day to you thank you and uh, we'll talk to you the following week God bless thank uh, bye you bye bye that is uh, Joe Heffernan who runs a counselling practice in Boabwee his number is 02976617 and before I go just a quick couple of texts that I can get to uh to uh, Nicola as she sent out a lovely photograph from Fidan North to say I'm like a little witch here up the mountain I'm following Annalise's recipe from last week you know the the recipe for the antibacterial wipe that you can make yourself or a spray thanking you so much for it I've passed the recipe on to all my friends and relatives both here and abroad via Facebook I'm in that at risk group that people speak about I'm 60 asthmatic faulty heart valve so my husband and I are doing our best to stay safe love you program um, Great for the community. Um, thank you. Thank you, Nicola. That's uh, lovely. And stay safe. And she sends in a little picture. She's got all her stuff and she's putting together the the lotions and the potions that Annalise has uh, suggested. Lots of people are doing it and it's, it's terrific, particularly when people are finding it so difficult to actually get the hand gel. It, it's a great little recipe from Annalise. And somebody else says, Mike says, I've got aloe vera gel that I got for my scalp last year. I'm using it on my hands now for this year. Yeah, I mean, Annalise was saying, yeah, the aloe vera is fantastic and will hopefully give you some kind of uh, protection. Uh, well done on that. And I just want to... Um, hi, uh, Patricia. I think everybody should have cotton hankies and put a little bit of disinfectant uh, on it, a little bit of lavender tea tree oil, says Mike in Bantry, to keep everybody safe. And Frank is wondering, what about bedroom activities? Will we need to be stopping the bedroom activities for now? Well, in all the advice that I've seen given out, Uh, Frank I haven't seen anything about the stopping of bedroom activities so I think you're quite safe at the moment if it gets to the stage that we have to cancel bedroom activities I will bring that to you post haste I promise you that that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon and we're back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock on to then I'm Patricia Messenger have a very good afternoon court today on C103 with a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go Shortcastle Street Mallow
2: call and collect or get 7 Day delivery for those cozy nights in lowcostfuel.ie. We've given away a VIP trip to New York with amigoloans.ie on C103. No, oh, it's ready. It's ready to go. It's ready. It's really Okay, here we go. Here we go. Is it.
6: You? Hello? Uh, hi there. Is that
4: Alan O'Sullivan? It is indeed. Simon. Alan, it's Simon and Patricia here from C103. Alan! Hi Alan! We're going to New York City!
1: Yeah.
6: Oh, guys, I can't believe it. I'm so, so so, thankful. Oh, my God.
1: And I'm a massive Billy Joel fan. Oh, absolutely brilliant. New
6: York is just unbelievable. I can't believe it.
1: Congratulations.
4: Stay tuned for our next big giveaway on Cork's greatest hits. C103.
9: This summer, you need clothes that you can wear anywhere. For that, Look to American Giant t-shirts, shorts, jeans, and sweatshirts. American Giant makes everything in the USA. So when you buy, you create jobs and improve local communities all across the country. Shop summertime closet staples at American-Giant.com. And get 20% off your order when you use code WA23 at checkout. That's 20% off at American-Giant.com with promo code WA23.